Enelie Chapa, Polo G, Cowboy, Lil TJ, Fabio Foreign, Baby Keem, Jack Harlow, Rod Wave, Chica, Mulatto, Lil Keed, and 24K Golden are the freshmen, are the XXL 2020 freshmen. That's the class. And I mean, is it even relevant anymore? I think that's a question that a lot of people are having because this list was revealed seemingly out of nowhere, almost no high build towards it. I feel like that's the issue with XXL. I don't think is that I do think the list is somewhat irrelevant. I don't think people care, but it can be that that irrelevant because people still talk about it. You know what I mean? It'll be it will be truly irrelevant if like no one even mentioned it. But, you know, I just want to say that, like, this list is actually, you know, not bad people. I don't know. I don't know how people truly felt about the list. It was I think the consensus for this list, the double XL freshman of 2020, it was just kind of like, it's okay. Like, it didn't blow anybody away. Some people were mad at the fact that there, were, there weren't any real lyricists. But that's like, you know, it's like their idea of lyricists is just like very old school. I think this list, if anything, it shows that, you know, rap is evolving. And it's not literally just about being lyrical miracle. And there's a lot of rappers in this list that kind of do rap. You know what I'm saying? It's not like no, none of these people are able to rap. Uh, they're just kind of. You know, maybe more simplistic rap. I don't know how people feel about this list, really, or the rappers in this. But, you know, it's interesting because this list, like like I said, a lot of people thought it was um, irrelevant. But I do think a lot of the reason for that is because the way they dropped the list is kind of out of nowhere. They don't really build any hype to it. I think that's the issue with it. They build hype towards their freestyles and ciphers, but the actual, like, list... They don't really give a fuck to create any some any sort of hype, which I think is the wrong way to approach it, right? Because I feel like if um, if you're hinting towards a list, I think people are looking forward to it, like who's who's revealed. But no, they didn't do that. Like it was so weird how they just dropped it, and usually they drop it around like June. You know what I mean? Like uh, like May, June around that time. Obviously, probably because of the pandemic, they had to push it. But it was kind of weird how they just kind of dropped the list. But uh, regardless, let's just get into the individual artists. Like I said, Enelie Chapa, you know, he's from Memphis. He's like, though, he's like, he's almost like the new, he is in the same vein as Kevin Gates and NBA Youngboy, which are kind of like those Southern artists that have a cult following, but the rest of the country doesn't really love them like nba young boy is like that that he's i mean he has a cult like following especially on youtube whenever he drops something everybody's on it you know i feel like Enelie Chapa chopper is almost like a more accessible nba young boy but they're both kind of following the same blueprint that kevin gates did and his rise to fame and how he's still very relevant even though people don't really talk about kevin gates in terms of the popular artists right now but Enelie Chapa, i feel like He's almost, that's the thing with this list too, is like a lot of the people in this list are kind of too big for the list, but not really. It's weird because like NLE Chapa, for example, like he's had major hits and his new album, his second project, I believe, since he really blew up, came out, uh, Top Shotta, you know, has songs with Lil Baby. Like, I feel like he has a lot of songs with a lot of famous artists and I feel like he's really on the map now. So I don't know if he's necessarily a freshman. 
But it's just tricky the way they kind of choose artists. But regardless, NLE Chapa, you know, he's on the list. He's good. He has a, you know, he when um, Shadow Flow came out, he was like the hottest thing. I enjoyed some of those songs. I enjoyed some of his early songs where he blew up. After that, he hasn't really grabbed my attention too much. You know what I'm saying? There, uh, there seems to be some somebody just yelling, and I can hear it through the walls. So I'll try to ignore it as much as I can, but that shit is annoying. But regardless, Annalie Chapa, you know, he's on the list. He, uh, I kind of fell off of listening to him after a couple of his songs. He still probably makes good music, but I just felt like his rapping was kind of not for me. And it's not necessarily because he's Southern, but it's just, I don't know. I didn't really see the point in really, like, really listening to him because his music wasn't really sticking to my ribs. Like, um... And, I mean, I guess it's a pause, but that's only a pause if you don't know that lyric from a famous rapper that I don't even know exactly. I just know there's a famous lyric called Stick to Your Ribs, you know what I'm saying? And his music does not stick to my ribs. Um, and the fact that I even suggested to pause that line kind of suggests that I should just pause myself. But, regardless, let's keep going. Let's move on to Polo G, who I think deserves to be on this list because he's not like all the way mainstream yet, but he's definitely on his rise. He's actually one of the more lyrical rappers on this list. You know what I mean? I feel like him and Jack Harlow and Cowboy to an extent. But Polo G is one of those rappers that is kind of combining melodic music, like melodic trap with actual bars. Although a lot of people don't think he's like actually rapping. But for this generation, he is. You know what I mean? It's not like incredibly like clever lines it's more just like he's actually rapping he's not like mumble rapping he's done a lot of auto-tune in his voice he's just kind of rapping and he's saying some real shit so i feel like a lot of people do consider him a rapper but he can still do the melodic shit polo g i haven't really delved too deep into him pause that's definitely a pause worthy moment but i i do need to delve deeper into his discography um, I need to find, I need to listen to more of his music. Some of the music that I have heard from him, I really enjoyed. Like the song that he put out with Lil TJ that went really popular. Like that one, that one was, I really enjoyed it. He recently dropped a video for Martin and Gina, one of the songs of his last album, which I thought was really good. The video and the song. Uh, but I still need to listen to full projects of his. People are really like... You know, the youth, a.k.a. the people that I know that listen to hip-hop, they're all really, like, hyped on him. Like, he is going to be a star, I think. He's definitely going to be a pretty big star. He kind of has it all. He can kind of, you know, people relate with the things that he's saying. He can somewhat rap, you know what I'm saying? He's definitely, like, one of the more lyrical rappers on this list. Um, yeah, he he's, good. he's a handsome young fella. <laughs> he has a girlfriend i believe he treats his girlfriend very good he seems very mature he definitely has it all to be a star you know what i'm saying like he has the star he has a star vibe to me like i think he's definitely going to be way bigger so i think that's a good pick for the double xl freshman list then you go to cowboy who's also another guy who's very similar and it's like in the same group of artists as polo g is and, and Lil TJ, these are all kind of like, it actually does make sense in terms of a, a freshman class. I feel like this actually makes sense and reflects the freshman class of rappers and hip-hop artists right now in the hip-hop scene. But, you know, Cowboy, very similar to Polo G in that he can kind of rap, but also does a melodic trap thing. Haven't delved deep 
haven't delved too also like i don't know that i haven't listened to full projects of cowboy either but i do know i have liked a lot of the songs that he's done so you know i feel like he 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 he's almost like on the same level as polo g from the way that i see people talk about him man, and just his music and then you go to Lil tj who uh he's definitely one of those like um He's almost like a, a, a second coming of like a boogie. He has that kind of voice and that kind of vibe. Although he was beefing with a boogie with the hoodie recently. Uh, he was doing a lot of wild shit. He still makes some some good music. I have listened to a lot of his projects. I haven't loved like full projects of his, but a lot of his singles are great, which is kind of weird. But like his singles keep me. I don't think he's a project artist for sure. Not not really. Then you move on to Fabio Foreign, who I think is actually very big. Uh, considering he was kind of second in command with the whole drill wave in New York, uh, second to Pop Smoke, rest in peace, Pop Smoke. Do not say pop and forget the smoke, right? Like that's a great line. <laughs> but he um, he even did a song with Drake, so I feel like he's pretty big at this point. You know, he's not like completely unknown. People know him if you enjoy the New York drill type of music. Then you move on to Baby Keem, who I think is probably the the no second least known artist on this list. Baby Keem, I've been listening to his music, probably one of my favorites. Yeah, what well, definitely one of my favorites of this list. Like he makes some great like, you know, he's definitely he's not like a lyrical rapper for sure but he's Kendrick Lamar's cousin and it's funny because he kind of decided to opt out of that kind of music and go his own way which I think is very smart he's like it's like creative trap music he's very creative in his flows and his beats and he's very experimental with a lot of the shit that he does so he's very charismatic with his rap voice and he's very animated he's definitely someone that's definitely going to be bigger especially if like somehow Kendrick Lamar has him on his album like, I can definitely see that. And maybe Kim, I feel like a lot of the right people are backing him, so he's going to be pretty big. Then Jack Harlow, he's already had a major hit with What's Popping. People know who he is. Like, he's the new, like, popping white rapper. And he's very good. I, I, I've loved at least his past project and then his follow-up EP. You know, I loved his last album. Then I liked the follow, following EP. I didn't love that one as much, but I could tell he kind of just put that out there to try to get some semblance of, uh, to, to capitalize on the hype. Uh, but I really like him. He's probably, he is probably the most lyrical. Like, he's my favorite rapper rapper out of all these people. Because I just love how he deals with flows and shit like that. Like, he's very, he he's very good at flows and just kind of writing a beat. So I, I like him. Uh, Rod Wave, I liked one song, Hard or Nice. I haven't loved any song after that. So I think he might be one of my least favorites. Just because, like, Hard or Nice was such a weird, like, one-off. Like, he's never done that sound before or again. It's kind of strange. Like, he didn't make it. Like, I enjoyed that one because it was very, like, um, catchy. All his other music is, like, the le the furthest thing from catchy. So it's kind of wild. Uh, but, yeah, so Rod Wave is doing that. So he's in there. Uh, deservedly so, he's another one that's really probably, he doesn't have a hit hit, but he, he's definitely has star quality. Chica is the one I do not know anything about besides Snoop Dogg gave her a, um, a, uh, a, uh, what is it? Like a, a cosign. Like she, he jumped into her Instagram live, I believe, and praised her. So I need to listen to her fucking music. 
Uh, apparently, she's probably what probably the best rapper out of all of these people, which makes sense, and I can see why Double XL included her. I like that they included Chica, who almost nobody fucking knows. You know what I'm saying? And then I like that they include Mulatto, which is kind of like the exact opposite of what a Chica is, li- literally in every way. You know what I mean? She's more like a like the pretty girl who can kind of rap. You know what I'm saying? And like. So I enjoyed that they enjoyed, added her. I think I've only heard one mulatto song, and that was the one with G Easy, which I thought was like fine. I heard it on the radio when my fucking Bluetooth, you know, my Bluetooth in my car wasn't working. That's the only way I would have listened to that song. It's not bad, but it's definitely very poppy. So I enjoyed, you know, mulatto. She's definitely deserves to be in the list. Then Lil Keed, he has that um, young thug sound so he definitely deserves to be on the list for diversifying reasons and 24k golden i've seen his name but i do not fucking know much about him at all that's another person i don't know much about so i definitely have a couple of people i need to listen to their music but overall i think this is a very good list not if you're looking for real rap i mean you only kind of get that with polo g jack harlow maybe cowboy but in terms of just what the fucking sound is in 2020 i think this list does very does kind of represent that in a good way i think this is actually a great list i think i don't think there's anybody who's like full-on garbage maybe people say fabio's garbage but he's even you know he kind of ushered that new york drill sound so he definitely should be in there yeah everybody's great i enjoy everybody makes good music so uh yeah that was uh that's great uh, that's the list. That's the double XL freshman list. Those are my thoughts on the 20 XL, the <laughs> 20 XL on the 2020 double XL freshman class. That's are my thoughts on the class. If you enjoyed listening to my thoughts on that class, then, um, good for you. Then you enjoyed that, <laughs> that topic. Yeah. And then I'm reading more like an article, like apparently pop smoke, you know, was going to be in the thing before he died. Sad. It's oh that. That's funny. So I'm sure if it wasn't Pop Smoke, all right. So now it kind of is fucked up that I feel like Fabio Foreign probably for sure was not going to be in the list if Pop Smoke hadn't died. But that's the thing with a lot of the Fabio Foreign is doing, right? Like, I think Drake wasn't going to have Fabio on his song. He probably was going to have Pop. Then he died, and then he got Fabio for it. But, but he's second in command, so that's what happens when you're the second person also making that kind of music. So I don't, I don't blame it at all. I don't think it's... I don't think it's a bad thing whatsoever. And Joe Biden choosing Kamala Harris, you know, is very interesting, a very interesting move. He's definitely appealing to the fucking conservatives on this one. I mean, this one has gotten so many, so much discussion because I think this is actually a very big deal because, you know, it is literally choosing the very possible president, right? Because we all know, like, that's the main criticism against Joe Biden. This motherfucker is old as fuck. And even if he's not that much older than Donald Trump, he acts way older. He might he might have dementia. Who knows? He acts that way. He like slurs his words almost as much as I do on this fucking podcast. Um, he just kind of seems lost. You know what I mean? Like people are waiting for him to do a debate with Donald Trump because they feel like Donald Trump is going to eviscerate him. People don't have much confidence in uh, Joe Biden's cognitive skills. Right. So that's the thing about it. So the fact that he like the vice president to him, I think it's actually what people would be voting for. You know what I mean? I feel like people are going to be voting for the vice president because they don't even think he's going to be alive for that long. So, like, it's actually smart. Well, he did, you know, Charlemagne the God made 
uh, Joe Biden commit to an African-American uh, vice president, well, a female African-American vice president, right? So we knew that that was what that was going to be, but we didn't know exactly who it was going to be, right? Like, I remember talking to my dad, and he was just like, oh, yeah, it's going to be Michelle Obama, no question. I'm like, no, it's fucking not. There's no way it's going to be Michelle Obama. Like, anybody who thought it was going to be Michelle Obama was kind of fucking stupid because there weren't there were zero rumors about it. Michelle Obama didn't seem that interested in fucking politics. I mean, she just has a fucking Spotify podcast. You know what I mean? Her and Obama are in her and uh, and, and Barack are just producing documentaries, making TV shows, like producing everything in the world, getting every single bag possible in the entertainment space. There was no way she was going to jump into the fucking political race. I think she might like eight years from now. I can definitely see her running. But definitely not now. I don't think she wants to go back to that at all. You know what I'm saying? I, like, I, don't, I didn't understand anybody who thought that was even going to be the case. Like, there was no way Michelle Obama was going to be the vice president to Joe Biden. Even if Barack Obama was endorsing him and all that, I just didn't see the interest from Michelle at all. So I knew it was going to be Michelle Obama. Now, there was obviously one of the... Kamala Harris was definitely uh, suspected, right? It's, I mean, it's a small pool when you say female African-American. You have to look for the uh, the qualified people in that area, right? So there's what? There's, um, uh, is it Letitia? Uh, uh, Bell Bottoms? <laughs> I don't fucking know. The mayor of Atlanta, she was highly suspected. You know what I'm saying? There was other people. I think the mayor of George, of, uh, Alabama. She, she, I believe, is a female uh, African-American. I'm trying to be the most PC possible. I can't say black woman. I can't say black woman. That's actually better than female African-American. Female African-American kind of sounds like um, a little uh, a condescending, if I'm being honest. I just realized that. I don't know. Black woman. That's what he's looking for. He found Kamala Harris. And look, it's, it's rough because the younger people do not like Kamala Harris. I mean... They're the ones who are kind of making fun of her the most. Everybody's saying, it's like, yo, we're about to all get locked up. You know what I'm saying? Like, people are deeply against Kamala Harris as the vice president. But I think, but I think what Joe Biden did, the reason he chose her was because I almost sneezed, but then I put uh, 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 my finger in my nose because apparently it stopped sneezes, and it definitely did in this instance. But. The reason Joe Biden chose Kamala Harris, I think, is because he was going for the, you know, the the people who are in the middle. The, the, the um, what are those people called? The centrists, I guess? The conservatives? I don't know. Conservatives is more, like, right-leaning. What's the term? The fucking people who are in the middle, who don't know where the fuck to go, you know what I'm saying? Like, they see, they feel like Joe Biden and Donald Trump are equally as bad. So they don't, they might not even vote, to be honest. You know what I'm saying? I feel like a lot of young people probably won't vote either. But, you know, I feel like Kamala Harris, you know, that's actually a great choice by Joe Biden. If you, I guess, exclude the younger people and you're trying to kind of combat and almost maybe even take away voters from Donald Trump. Because, you know, like the meme says, she is a cop. You know what I'm saying? She was a, 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 um, a, a fucking, a, 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 what, what's the term that people, attorney, a, 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 a fuck, district attorney, prosecutor. She was a prosecutor. That's the term. 
So she was a prosecutor. She was getting everybody fucking arrested. A lot of black people were like, oh, she was, you know, she was arresting a lot of, you know, black people for minor weed offenses, whatever the fuck it was. I don't know that much about her controversy. I just know that all I know is how people are feeling. And I think the younger, you know, the hipper, younger people do not give a fuck about Kamala. They actually hate that choice. But I feel like the fact that Kamala Harris is a cop. It will appeal to the more conservative people, right? Because the conservative people love police, right? Especially during this time, like the fact that Kamala Harris is a a um, a prosecutor, you know, is definitely going to appeal to the Blue Lives Matter crowd, right? I'm pretty sure. So I don't know what what was best, what would have been best for um, Joe Biden to do. You know, like what's the best approach to try to win against Donald Trump? Is it to appeal to the most left-wing people or is it to appeal to the youth let's say is it is it better was it is it a better strategy to appeal to the youth or to the people kind of in the middle who are seeing what the fuck is happening with protests and shit on the side of the cops is it better to go after them to win because at the end of the day all that's all these politicians care about they just want to win you know what i'm saying so like they have to think all right, because either, either choice you make is going to get somebody mad, right? Like, people are going to be mad regardless. Like, he would have chosen Michelle Obama. No, well, if he would have chosen Michelle Obama, he would have won automatically. But, unfortunately, Michelle was like, I'm not dealing with that fucking stress. Uh-uh, fuck no. Um, <laughs> yeah, he's definitely not. And also, wait, does the vice president have to be? No, I'm thinking first lady. Michelle Obama hasn't been uh, uh, vice president. Right, but I bet you she did not want that fucking stress of being a vice president. Because effectively, she would be running for presidency. That's the thing, again, that I got to clear up for everybody. I feel like this is the thing that, like, when a lot of... Now it doesn't even matter if Joe Biden fucks up a lot, right? Like, before, Joe Biden was just saying all the the wildest shit possible. Like, blowing a 3-to-1 lead, like I said last week. But now it almost doesn't even matter because all eyes are on Kamala. Like, we know. We're almost like... This guy's out of his fucking mind. She's really going to be the president. I think that's how a lot of people are seeing it. So now if you see it with, you know, who should you vote for, Kamala Harris or Donald Trump, Kamala seems like a way more of a logical choice. You know what I'm saying? But then again, you know, people are mad at the hypocrisy of Kamala and Joe Biden fucking fighting each other before and now being best of friends. Yeah, I understand that that's very hypocritical, but I mean, what can you do? You know, I mean, what what the fuck was Kamala Harris was supposed to, She wanted to win, but then she stepped down, and now she wants to be a vice president. I think it, it is kind of hypocritical, but at the end of the day, it's almost like it's just it is what it is. You know what I'm saying? Like, what else? Well, like, was Kamala Harris, while she was running, she was trying to defeat Joe Biden. So, of course, she was going hard at him. But that doesn't mean, like, have you ever been in a debate? When you're in a debate with somebody... You not you maybe don't even feel that strongly about a subject, but you have to defend it the most you can, and then you have to target the other people to like make their points lesser than, even if you actually agree with those points or like like that person you're debating. You still kind of have to go hard against it. Once you lose, you don't have to. So like I understand like I don't think it's that crazy that now like Kamala and Joe Biden are best of friends. You know what I mean? But yeah, elections are gonna be fucking wild this year. Um, you know what else is wild? Lovecraft Country. Oh fuck, I said I said it wrong. I mean, <laughs> I, fuck, I fucked it up. I meant Lovecraft Country. For some reason, I keep wanting to say Lovecraft County, but it's a double C R pronunciation on this shit, or like the 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 
the fucking art, whatever the fuck, you know, craft and country. That shit fucks me up. I'll be thinking, I feel like Lovecraft County actually sounds better as a title, but you would have to change the whole fucking book that this show is based on. But yes, I watched the series premiere of Lovecraft Country. Got that right. You know, produced by fucking Monkey Paw, Jordan Peele's production company, as well as uh, Bad Robot, J.J. Abrams' production company. It uh, stars Jonathan Mayer's Journey Smollett. Smollett. I still don't know how to pronounce that last name. You might recognize that last name because she's the sister of uh, Jesse Smollett, who um, faked a hate crime. Which is kind of wild that now his sister is kind of very successful. That's one thing I was thinking throughout this whole episode. It was like, yo, it's kind of wild that had like has she has she even mentioned anything about her brother? Like when your brother does something that fucking wild, what can you do? I guess you don't you can't really say anything. That's your brother, but it's like I almost want her to fucking mention it at least. It's like, yo, do you know that you? I mean, obviously she knows that her brother did a fake crime, but the way she's acting kind of doesn't reflect that. And now I just want people to acknowledge certain shit. But regardless, Journey, Journey, Smollier, and then Arjuna, Ellis, a lot of French-sounding names. I mean, who else is in this shit? Corny B. Vance, you know what I'm saying? He's Uncle George Freeman. He's pretty good as an actor. Abby Lee, Jamie Chung, Jada Harris, Michael Kenneth Williams. But yeah, a lot of, uh, it's a black show. The reason I say it's a black show because it is an inherently black story with black characters, black main characters. Uh, and basically, if you don't know what black, uh, I was going to say black country. That's fucked up for me to say. It was a slip of the tongue. Sorry about that. But basically what this show is about, Lovecraft Country. I keep mispronouncing it because I keep wanting to say county, but it's country. Lovecraft Country. That's hard for me to pronounce. Listen, I'm a fucking foreigner. Foreigner. You remember that pop song song? Yeah, that's what I am. So I fuck up the pronunciation sometimes. It is what it is. But basically... This show is about, it takes place in a period, it's a period piece show, it takes place in the 1950s, I believe, there was a lot of, you know, segregation and white people were just fucking being extremely racist, being monsters to, you know, black people, and we see that throughout the whole episode, but it's basically combined with Lovecraftian elements, which is to say, like, monsters and, like, horror. And, I mean, you get that from the very opening scene of this fucking show. Um, I guess spoilers for this episode because I'm going to delve deep into what this episode is. You know what I mean? Like, I'm actually, um, I'm not about to skit around the specifics is the premiere episode. I don't think, you know, it's kind of weird when people be like, oh, you know, a spoiler-free review of a TV episode. I find that fucking strange. It's a TV episode. If it's a whole show, it wouldn't make sense, but it's an episode. It's a single episode, but whatever. Spoiler alert for the episode. The way this shit even starts is wild. Grab my attention right away. You think it's going to be a war thing, but then it turns out it's everything, every single fucking sci-fi element you can think of, fucking aliens and Cthulhu and that shit, and then Jackie Robinson destroying a Cthulhu with a bat. I mean, the fucking opening scene of this is fucking wild, and I'm thinking, oh shit, we're jumping right into it. This is what the show is. Tough. Right? Like, I'm thinking that the show is just outwardly Lovecraftian, but I guess it's not. But, I mean, it, it kind of is, because at the end of the first episode, you know, they go full in with the monster and the and the monsters and the gore. Right? But, um, 
yeah i mean what can i say about this shit it's uh it's it's a fucking amazing pilot i guess i'll say that uh every actor in this was great jornice molier she's so fucking gorgeous i looked up her age she's 33 so she's what 13 years older than me whatever man age ain't nothing but a number only if you're after 18 that's what that song should have been called by uh by uh <laughs> that's what that song should have been called by r kelly and Aaliyah. it should have been age ain't nothing but a number after you're 18 years old like in parentheses uh but man she's so fucking gorgeous man so gorgeous and i can actually really see the similarities with uh with uh jesse which only made me think of Jesse's situation even more. But regardless, she's beautiful and she's great and she can sing and she's a great actress. You know what I mean? She's not just a piece of eye candy. Eye candy. Is that derogatory towards women? Eye candy, is that a term you shouldn't use anymore? Regardless, she's beautiful and talented. So that's that. That's that. And then Jonathan Mayers, he's great because he's just a great actor. But it's funny that he's having daddy issues in this also. I don't know if you, if anybody watching or listening to this saw uh, The Five Bloods. He's in that too, and he also has daddy issues there. It's just funny. I feel like he's becoming like the daddy issues actor, but he's also a great actor. He's buff, and this guy is kind of, you know, obsessed with, uh, um, you know, fantasy books and shit. Apparently, he was a nerd when he was younger, and now he's fucking buff. You know what I'm saying? He's a stud, um, but he still likes that shit. And uh, that's, I guess, why he's not phase. Well, he's also a veteran. There's a lot going on in this fucking, fucking, you know, in this premiere. There's really a lot. I find it difficult to even, like, recap a lot of this shit. But, I mean, what the fuck? I mean, yeah, basically, you know, uh, Atticus. Let me just read the, the synopsis of this episode specifically. Atticus Freeman meets up with his friend Letitia and his uncle George to embark on a road trip across 1950s Jim Crow America in search of his missing father. Right? So he's looking for his father. He's returned. I guess from the war, he's looking for his father. His father sent him a letter. Um, and I guess, you know, wild shit happens, including crazy ass monsters eating people in half. I mean, talk about violence. I mean, that's the thing I love so much about this show, and a lot of people are talking about. The reason I think this show is so brilliant is because, and I guess the, this, the, this theme was explored in the book as well. But the fact that this show is, you know, the show, a lot of this show seems to be it's a fantasy show with these monsters and you have to kind of fight them. But they make it a point that like 1950s Jim Crow America was like way scarier than any Lovecraftian monster you can come up with. And it's kind of crazy because, you know, the way they show it, like the most suspenseful part of this fucking episode was not the ending of the episode where like monsters started eating people in half. It's actually prior to that when like these this cop is like basically like these three black people have to get out of this town in time because if they don't, this cop is going to pull them over and fucking kill them. I mean, this episode is called Sundown because apparently there's Sundown states and sundown towns when the sun goes down you you could i guess you're just free to kill black people i mean that's the fucking and guess what guys that was 70 years ago not that long there's people who are probably alive in the 1950s that are alive right now as well who had to go through that so you know just saying this 1950s is not that long my grandpa was alive during that time so i can only imagine if other people's grandparents were alive but regardless that's why this episode is so brilliant, and they're probably going to continue that method of storytelling to really hammer 
home. I think that's the point. That's funny because even the Lovecraftian elements are there just to show how scary human beings and racism actually is. Like when they do it, so like measuring up like one to one, you see, oh wow, this shit is scary, but that racism shit is way scarier because it actually happened, which is fucking genius. And I can see why a lot of people were praising this show. Um, I'm very excited to keep watching. I'm definitely going to do recaps of this show week to week because, I mean, this show, this episode just fucking grabbing by the balls. It's a lot of great elements in it. I don't know where the fuck this show is going to ultimately go. It's 10 episodes. This first episode could have been like a movie. Almost, you know what I'm saying? If it was, obviously, if it didn't end in a fucking cliffhanger with, we've been expecting you. I don't know where the fuck this show's gonna go, but I think that's a great thing about it. I'm really excited to see where it goes. But, um, I mean, what else is there to talk about in this episode? Um, yeah, I think I think that's about it. I mean, let me just say, the director of this episode was Jan Demange. You know what I'm saying? It was written by Misha Green, Matt Ruff, other people. Uh, what else happened in this episode? I'm trying to think. Oh, there was a lot of drama that I thought was very well made, very well done. Sets up a lot of the emotional arcs that a lot of these characters are going to go through. Oh, and this is the last thing I was going to talk about. So the Uncle George, right? The way this episode makes it, I actually think it was very twisty when it came to Uncle George's story. Because the way they make this, I, I was going to be like... It's going to be a twist if the uncle doesn't die this episode. Because the way they made it was like, hey, baby, like talking to his wife is like, I can't wait. You know, I hope we go on a, on a field trip and then telling the daughter, hey, I love you. I can't wait to see you. All this shit. Like whenever main characters start making promises right before they go on some sort of journey, best believe they're not going to come back. I thought this episode for sure he was dead. Surprised that he wasn't. That's actually pretty, that is, that's actually very uh, twisty. I was like, oh, wow, he didn't die. That's that's pretty cool. Because, I mean, they kind of set the, he might die the beginning of the second episode the same way that The Outsider did. How this, the beginning of the second episode, there was a major death of a main character. Also an HBO show. But, yeah, HBO has been killing it this year with fucking The Outsider, Perry Mason. You know what I'm saying? What other shows have they done this year? Can't remember. But, yeah, they've had a lot of great shows, and I can't wait to keep watching this one.